What's in a name? Does it really matter what we call something? Some people are proud of their names, and some people want to forget them. Some names are distinctive, but do they really say who we are? God has many names, and each speaks volumes about it. He reveals himself to us through them. Come join us as we explore the power of God's name. We're good. Let's give it up for the worship team. That was some good worship. Set the stage of the new series that we start today. It's good to be in air conditioning. Uh, there's a bunch of us guys uh, from the church that had a men's golf retreat down in that wonderful cold freezing place called Palm Springs. So um, I'm defrosting up here on the stage right now. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And it's good, really, particularly, I think, for this new sermon series. I can't wait uh, to just see what God is going to do in these next four weeks. I love the story, and you may have heard me tell this many, many years ago, of the Sunday school teacher that is uh, walking around the classroom as the little kids, five, six-year-olds, have their piece of paper and their crayons, and they've been told to draw a picture, whatever they want. And she walked up to this particular one little girl and says, oh, honey, what, what is it that you're drawing? And she looked up with a big smile and says, I'm drawing a picture of God. The teacher said, well, honey, that's, that's great, but uh, nobody knows what God looks like, and without a beat missed, she looked up and says, they will after I'm done. <laughs> so here's a five-year-old with a little blue crayon that's going to paint the picture. I can't hold a candle to this little five-year-old, but I will try to help us see a picture of what God looks like, not according to what Rob Dent says, but according to what this book says, amen? And as we always say, this book has authority of this right here, amen? So I hope and pray that I get to draw closer and get a bigger picture of what and who God really is. And it is my prayer through the, throughout this series that the same will be true for you. No matter how long you've been walking with God or how far maybe you've been away from God, I hope that we see him in a bigger way this morning, Amen. Let's pray. Um, God, it is good to be in your house. And uh, as, I was, as I was participating in worship, I, I was reminded of the words that we were singing. And, and, and there's just so much truth that you are a good father. And I personally am grateful for that this morning. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us. God, I pray that you help me paint a picture of you that would help us to understand more who you are. And God, I would pray especially for that person or those people that maybe are far from you, that it took everything in the world to get up this morning and walk in these doors. I pray especially for those people that you would paint a picture of who you really are in their hearts today. God, I love you and we love you. In the powerful name of Jesus, all God's people said. There's a famous line in Romeo and Juliet that says, what is in a name in which we call a rose by any other name that smells as sweet? That's all I know. (laughs) But I've I've always remembered that as 11th grader having to have memorized that. What is in a name? That's a great question, isn't it? What, what is in a name? Names, would you agree, are powerful. 
Names help identify who and what we are. I'd like to illustrate that this morning. My, my, my birth name is Robert Lee Denton III. <laughs> Sounds like I should be a billionaire. But you may not know a whole lot about me, but by just telling you my name, you know that there's two other people before me that have the same name. And you probably could guess that it was my grandfather and my father. And you can know this by just hearing my name. You also know that I probably uh, derived my name that you know me by from my birth name, Robert. Most people call me Rob. The other names, I can't say. (laughs) So I've been called Robbie. I've been called Bob by a few. And then Rob. And then all those are nicknames, right? And I've had other nicknames. Um, Again, some I could share and some I can't. Weasel, because when I wrestled in high school, I was just a skinny little guy that looked like a weasel, I guess. Uh, You know, again, a lot of other nicknames, but we're not going to go into that. You have nicknames. And they describe what? Characteristics about you, right? As a coach, I've given out hundreds of nicknames. Uh, This particular team I'm coaching right now uh, in baseball, uh, (laughs) and sometimes um, sarcasm comes out through nicknames, amen? So the slowest guy on the team, I call him Wills, (laughs) just to inspire him, Um, right? We got little man on the team, right? We, we, (laughs) We got vacuum. Uh, which is uh, Hoover, you know, they could just suck up every ball just like that, right? And so they, nicknames describe, there's, there's a lot of power in names. And so when we talk about God in the next four uh, weeks, uh, what we're going to do is how do, we, how do we draw this picture of God? Well, well, God has a handful of names in scripture, Amen. And from those names, these big words that some of us have heard and some of them haven't, uh, these names mean something and therefore help draw a picture of who God really is. Are you ready to see? Are you ready to see what scripture has to say about who God is? This God that maybe you fear, this God that maybe you love, this God that maybe you pray to multiple times a day, this God that you run to when you're scared, this God that you wonder if he's going to zap you, this God that, that, that you can't wait for him to hold you, wherever you're at in the spectrum of your picture of God, not, no matter what picture the world has painted, we want to see what this book has said. And so I'm ready. I'm ready to see what this book has to say. So let's, let's get there. It, it, uh, Genesis chapter 1, and if you need a Bible, raise your hand. These fine gentlemen are going to make their way down. I know most of you have uh, the Bible app, so open those up. And we're going to see uh, one of the wonderful names that are given. As a matter of fact, the first name that is given to, to, to uh, God and all of Scripture. So we're going to go to the first book. It's the easiest one to find, Genesis And we're going to go to the first chapter, and uh, we're going to hang out there. Here we're going to find out the first name. Genesis chapter 1, 1. In the beginning. What's the next word? God. In the beginning. What's the next word? God. God. God, what did he do? 
created the heavens and the earth. We're going to stop right there. The translation of God right here is Elohim. Can you say that with me? Elohim. Can you say that again? Elohim. Again, I hope that I'm drawing a picture uh, beyond a, a, a blue crayon in a, in a Sunday school classroom, but a picture that is being pulled right out of Scripture, not what we call eisegesis, reading into it, but exegesis, pulling out what is it that God wants us to know about him. And of all the words that could be uh, named to him in the di di different um, descriptions that be given, Elohim is right out the gate. And it means strong creator God. So even as you're praying this morning and or you're praying tomorrow, or you're praying this afternoon, or you're praying tonight, uh, this picture could be painted of this Elohim, this, this God that is a strong creator. Amen. Uh, this name is used because Yahweh cannot be used. It, it cannot be uh, spoken and it cannot be written. That would have been the go-to. So Elohim is, is right out the gate here. It's, it's, fr it's right there at the very beginning. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because we're going we're gonna to dig into this. We're going to peel back. What does it mean that God is, the, the name is used Elohim here? Number one. It simply means this, God is transcendent. God is transcendent. I want to read to you uh, the definition of transcendent. It's beyond, transcendent means it's beyond the range of normal. It surpasses the ordinary. Transcendent means superior, unequaled, matchless, eternal, and timeless. Amen? Amen. And this is what our, and this is what our, this is who our God is. He is superior. Our God is timeless. He is, he is unequal. He's matchless. He's, he's, he's awesome. And the God that we worship, the one that you sang the songs to, this is who you sang to. He is greater than anyone or anything. God is transcendent. What kind of picture does that paint in your heart and mind? You see, sometimes I think we think we fit in that spot. We think we're transcendent by the way we live and by the way we speak and by the way we act. Amen? Let's just be honest. It's kind of like it's my world and you just happen to be living it kind of mentality. And we forget because we want to take the position of who God is. But there's only one God. And that's why when Isaiah says, Almighty God, this is Elohim. The all-powerful God that wants to be a part of our lives. Rather than being a part of his creation, God is above and outside of his creation. Do you catch that? Transcendent, bigger than anyone or anything you could imagine in your heart or your mind. And, and can I encourage you with this? Because you know what the temptation is for especially those of you that are deep thinkers? is to try and figure that out. Come on. And even me, and as I'm sitting in my office saying, God, you know, Open up my mind to this. You can't. You can't go two plus two equals four on this, my friends. You can't 
figure this out. He is Elohim. God is transcendent. I love, um, I love this idea with this word. And it goes back to, you know, creator, strong, strength. That God is all what? Powerful. Omni, and these are big words, omnipresent, right? He transcends all time. God is everywhere. Again, don't spend too much time wrapping, wrapping trying to wrap your brain around this. I, um, I love the story of the doctor that walked into the, the, the mental institution and he walks into one of the rooms and there's a gentleman standing in his underwear on top of a chair. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs, I am the king of the universe. And the doctor says, Harry, get down off of that chair. And Harry's like, I am the king of the universe. Harry, get down off that chair. I am the king of the universe. And the doctor says, Harry, you are not the king of the universe. I am the king of the universe. Harry, who told you you are the king of the universe? God told me I am the king of the universe. And out of the other room, you hear the voice say, I did not. <laughs> we, we can laugh at that. But how many of us stand on top of a chair and think we are the king of the universe? that we think we're the all-powerful ones. And we wouldn't be as so arrogant to do that or even say that, but don't, does, does our actions say that at times? Well, we just take all the power and we take all the control and we think it's our world. Again, Elohim paints this picture of God, that he is creator, that he's, he's the one that has all power. I, I always... I always um, I'm always fascinated, and I want to use the word fascinated because sometimes it's positive and sometimes it's negative, and you'll know what I mean by the passage in Hebrews. If you could turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Hebrews 4. You know, this is a passage right before it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to penetrate dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And, and it gives this wonderful picture of what we say, the, God, the word of God is alive. But then look at this, right at the end of that, in verse 13. Nothing at all creation is hidden from who? God's sight. Can we say that together? Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. How does that make you feel? Like just the last 24 hours, think about what you did. Think about what you thought about. Think about where your hands went. Think about where your feet went. Think about relationships. Think about, just think about God knows. God knows what? Everything. And, and you've heard me say this, even despite the fact that God knows everything about us, he still what? He still loves us. That's, that's, that's unbelievable. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Again, this, 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 this goes under this idea of painting this picture, Elohim, but, but digging even deeper. This means that God is transcendent. 
Then, 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 and if we were to peel it back a little bit more, if you're taking notes, the, the second thing I would say is if we look at Scripture, if we go back to verse uh, 1 of Genesis, so let's get all the way back there, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, then what's the next word? Created the heavens and the earth. And again, we're just still in the first verse here. We got a lot going with just the first verse, the first name of God, Elohim. If you're taking notes, write this down. God is creator. Right? Elohim means it means God is transcendent, but it also means God is creator. Don't get caught up in all the wackiness the world wants to offer. Don't get caught up in all the explanations that the world feels like they have to explain why everything exists and how it got here. God is creator, period, that's it. Do I understand it all? No. My thoughts, the scripture says, are not God's thoughts. Have you hung out with me? You know that to be true. Come on now. But here it is. God is creator. That's Elohim. Transcendent, all-powerful, God is creator. It says it right here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Are you with me? Then you go to Psalms 19, and there's so many passages what we can look to, but I want to just show a few. Psalms, Psalms 19. Psalms 19, 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of who? The glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They, 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 they use no words. No sound is heard in them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent. Who did that? God did it. God pitched a tent for the sun. Now, here's the truth. People think I'm whack. <clears throat> but I, I really like Palm Springs. And my favorite time is in the early evening. Now, it's not like Hawaii beauty. It's not New Zealand beauty. It's not Samoa beauty. But it's, it's Palm Springs desert beauty. Now, I don't like it at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. All I do is see, you know, heat rise from every part of that city. But um, maybe I wasn't ready for this, and my son's in here, so I'm confessing. But, you know, after yesterday's round, all tw 20 of the 22 people went home because they were smart. They had played golf for, you know, two days. My son says, let's go play another round. <laughs> I love my son. I'm going to hang out with my son. We, we go and play another round. But you know what? It was the best round. First of all, I'm with my son. But because we teed off so late, like around 3 o'clock, when it, when it got to be around 6 o'clock, Palm Springs and all those rocky kind of mountains, and the, it's, it is absolutely gorgeous. And you know what? Walt Disney, as much as I love him, he didn't make that. Al Gore, who wants to give credit to the internet, he didn't make that. All of us that think we're all that in a bag of chips, we didn't make that. You know who did? Elohim. You know who did? Elohim. 
Do you know who did that? Elohim. That's just a stinking desert out there, and it just is absolutely jaw-dropping. And I haven't even got to the ocean yet. Come on now. And some of you, it's lakes, and some of you, it's rivers, and some of you, it's mountains, some of you, it's flowers, some of you, it's animals. And you know what? God created all of that. And we just sang songs to that God. Come on now. Come on now. Elohim, creator. You remember the story of Job? If you have, if you want some encouraging reading, just make that your devotion this week, said sarcastically. But um, Job loses everything. He loses family, and he loses friends, and he loses finances, he loses children, and he loses it all. And he, and he goes back and forth with God in a dialogue for many, many chapters of shaking his fist, asking questions, blaming, all, all sorts of things. And God listens. For 20 plus chapters, God listens. And then you get to Job chapter 38. It says, then the Lord, in verse one, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, he said. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? God says this, Job, brace yourself like a man. I will question you now, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if, if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its foot settings, footing set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together? And the angel shouted for joy. Uh, who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garments and wrapped it in its thick darkness. When I fixed the limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. This far you may come and no further. Here is where... Your proud waves halt. And Job, who, who, who drew the line and told the waves, this is where you stop? So that San Fernando Valley doesn't get flooded. Come on now. You know, you know he goes through all this? And Job says, you know what, God? My bad. I forgot your Elohim. I forgot your transcendent. I forgot your creator. And I'm sorry, I got caught up in all my pain and I got caught up in all my stress, and I got caught up in all my thinking. But you're right, God. You are Elohim. is that awesome, church? This is the God that you and I get to interact with. Only a transcendent God can make something out of nothing. Do you hear that? We have amazing gifted people in this room and you could do some amazing things with different things in your hand. I've seen it. Some of you could draw amazing things. Some of you could build amazing things. I mean, the, the list goes on. But you had something to start with. God created nothing. What started with nothing and created what we see. Amen. Again, don't wear yourself out thinking about this. Tony Evans wrote a book called The Power of God's Names. And he says this. He says, watches have watchmakers, 
Painter, paintings have painters, designs have designers, and creation has a creator. And you know what's funny if I read this book correctly? God didn't even have to use his hands to do it. He just spoke all of this into existence. Now that's awesome. I verified this with our elder who was a rocket scientist minutes before the sermon. So go talk to him if you want this explained. But through my research, science has taught us, and again, this is just a, a shot at this, but there are, there are between 100 to 200 billion galaxies. And each galaxy has up to 100 billion stars in it. And sometimes we, the earth, think we're all that. And we forget that there is so much more. And God put all that in place by speaking it. God is creator, amen? You look at Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, and I hope that you're, you're, you're seeing a picture that is being painted, that's drawing you closer and helping you understand who this God is that you pray to, who this God that you worship, who this God that loves you. I hope that you see that Elohim is so much more than the God in the box that we put him in. But you look at verse you look at verse three in chapter one. He didn't stop with just creating the earth and the, for, the darkness or, or, or the light and all that. And it says, he says at uh, verse three, and God said, let there be light and there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God created the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And we can keep reading. I'd encourage you to keep reading uh, this this week. But I'm going to go all the way to verse 24. And God said, let the lamp produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground that some of you don't like, like me. And the wild animals, each according to its kind. And, and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds. The livestock according to their kinds. And all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was what? God saw that it was good. There's so much here, church. But I want to move on. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is the third part of Elohim. God. The triune God. If you look at verse 26, then God said, let what? Let us make mankind in our image. Let us, not the stuff that Caesar salads are made out of, kind of let us. That wasn't even in my notes. You prayed for the Holy Spirit for me to speak. Let us. 
Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and all over all the creatures that move along the ground. And my friends, here we are introduced to the Trinity. You see, God is triune. This is a whole sermon series, what I just introduced you to. And I'm gonna spend about two minutes on it. But when we talk about Elohim, we are talking about a God that is powerful, a God that is creator, and a God that is triune a God that is transcendent. What does this mean? It means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Trinity. And, and there's a lot of confusion around this, and, and I, I get it. Does it make sense to the common person? No. But there's a lot of things that we do that we participate in that we don't understand how it all works, but we still accept it. I don't always completely understand what does it mean for God to be trying? How does that all play out? But one of the things I heard early on in Bible college is one of the things we try and do with this is we go one plus one plus one equals three. And we get all confused. But really, someone explained it this way, it's not addition, it's multiplication. One times one times one equals what? One. Some have explained it with H2O, right? Comes in three forms, water. What else? Ice. Steam. H2O, three forms. Uh, a new one uh, I heard uh, this week was the sun. And it says the sun gives light, it gives heat, and it gives radiation. Three aspects, but one sun. Here's what I know. I'm just going to talk about me. God the Father. This is Elohim, the creator, the, the, my daddy, Abba. God the Son Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and walked on this earth, that was tempted in every way, the Bible says, but was without sin. And then the Holy Spirit, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to have to leave this earth. And think about it. God was limited to space through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ could impact wherever he was at, but he couldn't impact Europe and United States of America at the same time, right? Right? as a physical human being. And he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave, but I'm gonna leave you what? The comforter, the Holy Spirit. So that when I'm up in heaven making your rooms, I could be anywhere and everywhere at the same time in you as you allow me to be there. So getting back to Elohim and painting this picture of God with just using this one word and there's, there's many names given to God throughout Scripture. This is pretty amazing, isn't it? 
Because now we are, we are engaging with a transcendent God that's all-powerful and creator and triune. Now think about everything I just mentioned there, by the way, and I'm doing this in my office. I'm like, all three of those things are very controversial. But here's the reality. God is God, and we are not. And he is all-powerful creator. I want to get to this last aspect, if you're taking notes. The fourth aspect is God is for us. You're like, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, we just got done reading that, that, that God says, let us make man in our image. Amen? I don't know about you, but this is the one that I really hang my hat on in this sense. This makes God a very personal God. Like God is not some force and God is not some gas. God is not some computer, some billboard, but God is personal. Why? Because let us make man in our image. So here's, 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 here's part, and again, this is me now. This is me speaking. But as I think, and I'm like, that means God is personal because he made me personal. God is relational because he made me relational. God could hear because I could hear. And again, I know you could take this to all kinds of different extremes, but I love this. That God didn't create a bunch of robots pre-programmed to worship him. But he created us in his image with free will so that you and I can make a choice. I've said this often to my sons in here. The first time my son ever said, I love you, is day I'll never forget. Why? Because on his own will, he said that. But if he came out into this world pre-programmed to him and said, I love you, 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 what does that do? Our God is a personal God. Amen? Elohim. Transcendent, creator, trinity, and what I think is he's for us. You read Psalms 139. Psalms 139. <laughs> this is good stuff. Psalms 139. Uh, there's somebody here that needs to hear this. You know, um, I think there was a, a day this week, I think it was Tuesday, was Suicide Awareness Day, right? <clears throat> I don't know if you guys heard this, but we lost another pastor to suicide this week. It, it is unbelievable how many pastors are taking their lives. And what's ironic about this guy that just took his life is he started a ministry for suicide prevention. And I know pastors don't have the corner market on this, my friends. And I am not speaking against this individual at all. I have compassion to the 10th degree. But I think one of the greatest struggles that we're all facing out here in this world today is self-worth and value and meaning and purpose. And I'm not getting into mental illness and chemical imbalance. All that. There's a lot of stuff out there. But I just want to say, my friends, God is for you. 
God is madly in love with you. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter how far you have fallen, no matter what thoughts that you think you've been the only one that have ever thought that, God knows everything. We read that earlier in in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. He knows everything and still loves you to death. Don't do this life alone. The all-powerful, mighty God can come into your life and resurrect it from the dead. He can take the fear and turn it from discouragement into encouragement, from a purposeless life to a purposeful life. It can turn it from darkness to light. But you got to go to Elohim. you got to go to the all-powerful one, the one that can raise people from the dead, the one can do things that nobody else could do. You talk to Noah. How do you build an ark in the middle of a desert? And then get two animals of the same species together to walk up a ramp. Think about this. Get two hippos. Like, do you think they just held hands and smiled and said, oh, my, we're going on a cruise. And then you got the zebras and the camels and the little ants, and you sit there and you go, how in the world, think about it, how in the world does all that happen? Well, if you can speak creation into being, it's not really hard to get two giraffes up a ramp. And you say, how do you take all these people that are on the every hand of slavery, how do you get them to escape? And then the first thing that happens is they come up to a roadblock after freedom. And it's the Red Sea. And they're all complaining and griping and pointing their fingers at Moses going, why in the world did we have to listen to you? And Moses probably sitting there shaking in his boots or sandals. Going, God, why would you bring me all this way with all these people? And God says, Moses... I got this. And he parts the Red Sea. Go to Universal on that little tram ride. It's pathetic what, how they part the water there. <laughs> That's man's attempt. God does the amazing because he is transcendent, because he's all-powerful, because he's timeless, because he's Elohim. And where you and I think we can't, we're probably at a good spot because that's when God can. And it breaks my heart because every week I'm talking with people that are just done. Done with finances, done with marriage, done with their work, done with, you just fill it in. In church, we need this picture painted of a God that is madly in love with us. And we have to go back to Genesis where we are created in his image. Period. The all-powerful God wants to not just be powerful in creation. He wants to be powerful in the created that are sitting here today. Will we allow him to? Is the question.
I hope we've painted a little picture of who God is by looking at just one of his names, which is? Which is? Which is? Will you allow this God to work in your life today? Will you allow that all-powerful to be powerful in your life today? I want to close with uh, another resource I've been reading for this sermon series. It's called, What is God Really Like? by Craig Groeschel. And he's gone to other pastors to ask them to write a chapter. And this particular chapter um, was written by a pastor that used to be right out here in Simi Valley, Francis Chan. And uh, he says, some days I feel discouraged, even defeated. My church friends sometimes slip their arms around me, cry with me, and say things like, I'm sorry, I, I know it's tough. Or why don't you just go take a vacation? Or maybe you need more family time. Or uh, maybe you should get some more sleep. He says, I'm longing for the day when someone instead says to me, Francis, you know what? You're a powerful person. The Holy Spirit of God is inside you. I know things are difficult, but be strong and courageous. I don't know many believers who gather together and encourage each other to be strong. Peter and John astonished people with their boldness, and yet when they got out of jail, they prayed for more boldness. Paul, the boldest guy on earth, says, pray for me that I could preach the word boldly. Listen. The body of Christ needs once again to lay hands on each other, praying for boldness and strength. We should remind each other that we serve an almighty God, Elohim. He's coming back and every knee will bow. He swore to himself that it's going to happen. We may look stupid now, but we need to stay on his side and do everything his word says. Let's live it. Let's walk it. Let's urge each other on towards boldness, power, and strength. The church of Jesus Christ should once again be known as strong, bold, and courageous. Amen. Amen. Pray to Elohim. Allow that power to drive your life here this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, Lord, your tender mercies and your love. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Billions.